Blog Talk Radio. fashion we are talking about Jimmy Super, Jimmy Superfly Snooker and Rowdy Roddy Piper. And I'm joined once again by one Silva. Thank you very much. Hey good good uh good afternoon Logan. Good afternoon wrestling fans. As we talk about, in my opinion, the greatest rivalry of Superfly Snooker's career as far as ring work goes. I mean phenomenal brawls. Brawls. I mean everybody remembers his feud with Bob Backlund and Don Morocco, and he had those iconic leaps off the top of the cage in both those matches. But when it came to sheer work rate and sheer brutality, his feud with Roddy Piper was off the fucking chain. Yeah, and and he brought in a lot of that whole racial thing that uh, I think increased the heat. And yes, and not only that, but this feud made Piper the number one heel in the WWF for the next two two and a half years. That's right. Did this and it, at the time they started this feud, Superfly was the number two face in the in the company, having been supplanted by Hulk Hogan, and Piper was basically a mid card level manager. The coconut and this feud made him the number one heel for the next two and a half years, and began a run that culminated in the WrestleMania match with Mr. T. Hulk Hogan and Superfly in Hogan and T's corner and just started the WWF on an expansion that was, was became a phenomenon. Yeah, now this was after his feud with Hogan, right? No, no, no. Piper hadn't feuded with Hogan yet. Piper's first feud was his feud with with us with Fly Snooker. Okay, so this propelled him into that heel status yeah, that he could yeah, take on Hogan. This propelled him to become the number one heel in the, in the WWF at the time. In the world. <laughs> and in the world, you're right. At the time he started this feud with with Snooker, he was a manager with the Piper's. I see. So he hadn't even yet even wrestled or anything. So that's. This is his premiere in the WWF. Yeah, when he came into the WWF in late, uh, him and Hogan and Paul Onoff and Dr. D. David Schultz all came at the same time. On December 27, 1983, there was a television taping in which they it reintroduced Hulk Hogan as a babyface, and Piper came in as a manager to take the Grand Wizard's place. Grand Wizard had died a few months prior to that, and he was managing Dr. D. David Schultz and Mr. Wonderful Paul Ondo. And at right then and there, you was like, oh, my God. Piper. I, re- I only saw Piper in the after magazines up until that point. He was a huge face in the Carolinas, feuding with Greg the Hammer Valentine, culminating in that classic 
Starcade match a month before he came to the WWF. When he came to the WWF, he was a manager with Dr. Manager Dr. D. David Schultz and Paul Orndorff, and he would start wrestling in early 84 as part of tag teams or six men with Dr. D. David Schultz and Paul Orndorff against Superfly Snooker, Andre the Giant, Rocky Johnson, so forth, or Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson, who were the tag team champions. Then, Logan, on, March, on a television taping on March 28th, WWF Championship Wrestling television taping in Pennsylvania, the infamous coconut incident occurred, which was, to this day, in my opinion, the greatest Piper's pit of all time, where he whips, where he hits him. Oh, I think that's the... That's the greatest angle of all time. I mean, it's, I just... Mean, it's just phenomenal. He whips it with a belt, and it was a very racist, racist angle, created huge heat. And at that time, right then and there, Roddy Piper becomes the number one heel in the WWF. Because at that time, oh, Logan, Hulk Hogan wasn't feuding with anybody. He would, oh, he would do a monthly defense of his title at all the major arenas, uh, Madison Square Garden, Philadelphia Spectrum, and he would go through contenders, Paul Orndorff one month, Greg Valentine another month, so forth. Yeah, he would just have these squash matches, basically. So the big feud at this time was the Iron Sheik versus Sergeant Slaughter, followed by, in July of 1984, Piper versus Snooker, because even though at that they had the coconut incident on March 28th, on the television tape, they didn't show it until June nationally. They didn't show it on the program until June, setting up the feud that would last for two months. And then I'll go into why there was a brief interruption. But throughout July, they were doing huge business in July and August. The Piper took a few, and we'll be taking a look at three of those matches, July 7th from the Philadelphia Spectrum, July 15th from the Meadowlands, um, which was broadcast on MSG Network. I attended that match. And July 20th from the Keel Auditorium in St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, and, you know, the thing about it is they wouldn't do something like this, this kind of racist-type angle today, but people should realize that it's, you know, it's just like when they do it in a movie. It's not, it's not you know, it, it, it builds heat. It's not real. And and but but it makes people think that it is real. So I mean, this was so realistically done, and these matches—you you just saw the anger in Superfly Snooker's eyes. And um, yes, he died a week ago today, and he was the first wrestler I ever idolized. I started following wrestling in July of 1981, but I I was watching Florida. They they broadcast Florida, New York, and the WWF, and. That's all I watched. Then in October of 1982, an angle was shot on Rogers Corner, the predecessor to Piper's Pit, uh, Buddy Rogers, the original WWF world champion, the original nature, nature boy. Great angle shot where he told Stucker that Captain Lou Albano was stealing all his money. And so Stucker became a face turn. Albano and Ray Stevens attack him, pile drive him on the concrete floor. I remember that angle when it happened. Because I couldn't sleep that night. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, man. He may never wrestle again. He got a broken neck. So you, you were, you were buying the, the fake wrestling back then. Oh, my. I was 14 years old, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> they tried to kill the Superfly. <laughs> That's funny. And that made Snooker the number one 
up drawing card in the WWF, supplanting the already boring and played out world champion Bob Backlund. Definitely. So, so, so from October of 82 until Hulk Hogan's reintroduction right after Christmas 1983, Jimmy Snooker was the number one face, the number one. Um, he was the Stone Cold. He was the John Cena of October 82 to uh, December 83. Yeah, he was. He, he, he captured I mean, the. He was he captured the entire territory. He was on fire. He was basically like a, a human Tarzan, and uh, people. Well, that, that's a, it, it, and um, shout out to Dave Meltzer. If you read this week's Observer, Dave Meltzer points out that his original gimmick was that he was a human Tarzan. So you know, per, you, per, 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 you 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 see that just like he saw it. He was he couldn't talk. He always had a manager talk for him, and then when he did talk, you barely understood a fucking word he said. But and he was barefoot, you know. He's... And he wrestled barefoot, and he had the death-defying leaf. He had the the striped uh, trunks, the whole nine. <laughs> yeah, dude. Everybody's every kid was like a, a snooker fan, and then a Hulk Hogan fan second. Really, I mean, I, I saw that a lot. Um, and then and then there was also just like. Um, his that people didn't usually go off the top rope like he did. So he or leap over the top rope onto the concrete floor like right. he did in a couple of these matches. Now they do it in every match because because of, of him. <laughs> he was uh, uh, way ahead of his time with his style. Now everybody does it. But you think about how many wrestlers he inspired to become wrestlers. You know. Oh, oh you Edge, Mick Foley. I mean Mick. I mean Mick Foley. Fucking um. Well, wait, wait. He, he hitchhiked to the garden to see that match against Morocco, which inspired him to become a professional wrestler. Edge and Christian always talked about how he was their favorite wrestler growing up. I think Tommy Dreamer was in the, in the crowd that night. So, yeah, he did inspire a lot of guys other than his own children because both his son and daughter be, became pro wrestlers. But other than his own children, he inspired a lot of people growing up to become professional wrestlers. Yes, indeed. And and and, he, and that's why now it's like almost everyone goes to the top rope. I mean, including fat guys. Um, so let's go to uh, this match, first match. So the, so the coconut incident, they air in June of 1984, which sets up the feud. Now, the first match we're going to talk about, July 7th, 1984, at the Philadelphia Spectrum, was originally supposed to be Rocky Johnson versus Roddy Piper. I don't know what happened with Rocky Johnson, but he no-showed that card. And the only since Stucker was in was there and doing nothing, they they he, and it only made sense being that he had already started the feud with Piper. He took Rocky Johnson's place, and what a hell of a fucking first match on this! I mean, he comes out and he beats the shit out of Piper for the first half of this match, just throwing him from pillar to post, battering him. Yeah, first we get a great promo at the beginning of this on the YouTube clip. It's like Piper just talking about the incident and yeah, just talking about like you know people think like oh it wasn't fair that uh, I hit him in the head with a coconut. And he said, "Listen, man, this is what I do. I fight. This is for my family. Like I'll do whatever yeah. it takes." <laughs> he, you could tell he was he's probably on some coke or something, but. Um, then you then you have this man. Now is this the first match that people are seeing after the coconut incident or this is the first match 
in the East Coast that people are seeing after the coconut incident. Wow. So, I mean, this isn't even, they didn't even put this on a pay-per-view or something? I mean, I guess... Well, there was no pay-per-view back in 1984. So it would just be the house show circuit, really. They would, I mean, they would play the same match in every arena with the the feud. Back in 1984, other than Starcade was closed circuit, was the only thing that was closed circuit. Starcade, back in November of 83. The WWF had not yet going to closed circuit or pay-per-view. So their feuds would be, you'd have that, um, an umbrella from arena to arena. And they had different feuds because they had so much talent at this time. Remember, this is Vince McMahon raiding all the territories. Yeah, so he has, so, so, so I mean, with, let's talk so about. With Snooker, with Snooker and Piper, being that Snooker's the number one man on the East Coast, they're running up and down the East Coast, the Garden, um, the Meadowlands, MSG, etc. All right, so let's get into this one, this match, because, uh, yeah, Snuka is just like like an invincible Superman at the beginning here. Piper just pleading, pleading, calling for timeout, running around, running away from him. Um, and and he's um, – Snuka, you can just tell his rage is just seething. And he he plays it so well in his body that he's angry, just the way he's walking with his arms like mm-hmm. tensed up and everything, and his muscles flexing, and uh, he he's he's just you know Piper he's trying to get away, he gets dragged into the ring, he's getting chopped, he's getting thrown you know from pillar to post. Um, um, he finally gets a, um, a, a kind of an offensive. He he holds onto the rope after they. Um, uh, Snuka has like a, a big advantage by poking, and then he pokes him in the eye. And yeah, then always, he, always he, the, the the turnaround is a, a, a boom, another poke in the eye. Right, but but Snuka's coming back. I mean, and then it sort of just becomes like um, mostly Snuka, but um, Piper will you know just get like a vicious kind of um, shot in, and it's just like continually having Piper you know get some offense, and then just have him see uh, Snooka like Hulk up, you know, and, and kind of just, so the original Hulk up, I guess, is Snooka um, in, in many ways, because he, I think he did it before Hogan, right? Well, no, I think Jerry Lawler, I believe, was the first one. Okay. Oh, no, you can even point that back to Bruno Sammartino. Bruno Sammartino used to Hulk up. That's Bruno right, that's right. I guess that's so, a common I, thing I, for babyface. between Bruno and Jerry Lawler, because they did it in the 70s. Yeah, it was a it's a babyface trait, right? To just like and maybe and, and maybe Jackie Fargo did it before Lola. So you might have to go all the way back to the sixties when Jackie Fargo was the number one in Memphis. Man in Memphis, well, he he did it because he still did it in in the sixties and seventies. Well, I bet you it's it's been done everywhere. They do it in movies. I mean, it's just that's the yeah, thing. I think uh, Mad Dog Lashawn did it in Montreal in the AWA. So um, I mean, that's the know, thing. A lot of people think uh, that you hook up, but. Hulk Hogan wasn't the one to come up with it. It was just the most popular term. Right, right. So he he gets finally um, Piper gets some advantage, has um, Snook on the outside and rams his head into a table. Um, Snook is pretty much selling it. He's 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 getting counted, um, and then Piper comes in and um, and and starts biting on um, on Snooka. So like shows you that Piper can get pretty savage himself. And I think this Snooka gets busted open here, right? Um, but, um, but in any case, uh, Piper's, Piper's like really messing with him and they're coming back and forth. You, you have this, um, Snooka basically, you know, every time you try to like hit him in the head or, or put his, um, 
his head into a turnbuckle or something, he just like hulks back. It's like that 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 is like the signal for him to just no sell your stuff. So he does that. So and he, Piper does go for some pins, but like this all showcases uh, Snooker's great strength, and that's what they always played up that he was extremely strong. Um, and uh, he he eventually will just like blocks you know a, a blow from Piper and then just come back with his p- blows. But then finally, um, Piper um, takes him and racks him onto the top rope, um, and he gets disqualified. I guess that's a disqualification for that, right? Yes. He, um, I never saw that before, where a, a guy would, uh, he, he, I guess because he landed below the belt on the ropes, he shoved him on there. But I'd never seen that as a disqualification before, but they called it a DQ. And I just have to shout out to Gene Orkelin, who's a great announcer, actually. He's much better than I thought. Oh, he back in 1984, Gene Orkelin was the main guy doing the Spectrum and the MSG shows on the cable cha- and on the cable channels. He's and just he as was, good as anyone. He was, and the water settled the score. A match that we covered between Piper and Hogan on the greatest match of a series. He, he announced that match too, and he said it. He said that that thing off beautifully with the, with the thing that set off WrestleMania. Gene Oakland was a tremendous announcer, and shout out to Mean Gene. He recent uh, uh, induction into the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. Deservedly so. He should have been in the original class. I don't know what the fuck it took 20 years to get this great, legendary broadcaster into the Hall of Fame. The greatest interviewer of all time and a great, great, great announcer. Mean Gene Oakland made Vince McMahon and Vern Gagne a ton of money because no one held the mic like Gene Oakley. <laughs> yeah, man, he was great on this, um, just announcing it. Um, and it's funny, too, because he's like, they give this this really um, kind of angled-in shot of uh, Jimmy Snooker's balls, like, racking across the rope. And he's <laughs> like, he's like, what a shot by our cameraman. I got a compliment. <laughs> Absolutely superb. And we know he's a gay guy, so. And he's still, I don't know, Gene Oakland was married for many, many, many years. His son was a hockey player. Wait a second. I always always thought he was gay. No, 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 no. no. Wow, man. Why, why, why? Is that a rumor? No, you must have Gene Oakland mixed up with somebody. The WWF had a lot of gay guys. Pat Patterson, Mel Phillips, uh, Terry Garvin. Not Gene Oakland. Not Gene, huh? Mean Gene was a renowned ladies' man, and he was married many, many years. And um, listen to uh, listen to Ric Flair's podcast. He talks about how he loved being out on the town with Mean Gene. So, so what about this? Um, the thing about this um, this match, and what we notice with all these matches between uh, Snook and Piper, is no matter who wins, the heat is always brought. Completely back well, to the beginning. First of all, in this match, it's a it's, it's, it's there's no it's a DQ, so it's right. it's a really it, it, it's non conclusive this this ending. The war continues, and so we go to the next match, a match that I attended eight days later, July fifteenth, nineteen eighty four, in the Meadowlands Arena, broadcast on the MSG network, and Logan from time to time in the from I believe from the from nineteen eighty one to nineteen ninety. Whenever the the garden wasn't running a card, they would have the <laughs> network. They would show a card from either the Nassau Coliseum or the Meadowlands Arena. 
Yeah, okay. So you actually went and attended this. I, went, I attended two Stuka Piper matches, the one that we're about to talk to, talk about, and the following month in Madison Square Garden, where I'll talk where, where we where we um covered on the greatest match series. Okay, so we're here. Um, of course, uh, they they instantly start brawling. Got Dick Worley as the uh, the ref. Um, One of the all time great WWF referees, long time, and he died a few years back. Yeah, um, the, they they exchange blows. Of course, uh, Snooker gets the upper hand. You have Piper pleading, getting an atomic drop, calling for the timeout. I love that. Like the, no one does that anymore. Calling for the timeout, even though there is no timeout. Um, and a big jumping headbutt. That was another thing that Snooker used to do. Just that, that he would just jump so high in the air and then give you first a headbutt. First one to do it. First one to do it. Yeah. Right. Um, he just he, the 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 hardness of his head was basically uh, the the main factor of the match. Just you could not hurt him if you tried to hit him in the head. Um, you have um, him just basically dominating Piper. Um, I think until Piper gets a, gets a chair, um, and then yeah, outside the ring, and he smashes the chair over uh, Stuka's head, and Stuka goes down, and you could tell he went straight to Blade because he came back and he was completely lacerated. Well, he goes underneath the ring. You see him underneath there, and then all of a sudden he comes out and he's uh, bloody as hell. Um, and this is where you get the 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 savage, uh, you know, when he starts, he does that thing where he kind of like becomes like a complete wild man, just like, <laughs> and, uh, but I mean, first of all, he's, he's, he takes a big beating by Piper here. Piper just beats on him and beats on him probably for like, you know, five, five minutes. Then finally we yes. get the, we get the, the, he starts looking at his blood and like it starts making him, Crazy, and he, and, he, and he starts hulking up, as we would say. Yeah. Right, and he uh, and and Piper is just like scared to death about it. you know just wants to get out of there. Um, he catches him, then he starts really teeing off on Piper, and Piper's just like, you know, selling like a motherfucker, just getting ragdolled all around. He gets, he he does that. Um, that's another thing him and and uh, Steamboat used to do is that that chop after he throws you into the rope. Where, yes, yes. Where he goes that like really super karate pose. He rams um um uh, his he rams Piper's head, man, like savagely into the uh the ring. Um Piper sells it by like bouncing his head into the ring like ten more times afterward. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> just like um and then and then he, he's we think he's gonna go um he tries to go to the top rope. Uh, but then Piper uh, gets out, rolls out the ring, and uh, instead, what he does is he does something basically as impressive as that: is he jumps, he runs and jumps over the top rope and onto Piper. Well, basically, I think he hits the floor. I don't, I don't know if he even hit Piper, but no, Piper, <laughs> he kind of like. Oh great. no! When he dives over the top rope, he lands on, on Piper. Yeah. He does. He does. He does a cross body on him onto the floor. Piper's just like completely knocked out, you know, woozy from that. But unfortunately, he gets um, counted out of the ring um, just at the last moment. And he he throws Piper in in the ring, like, right as the count. Right before the count of 10. Yeah. Yeah. 
Right. Who? Where is there? There's a match like that um, where somebody gets kicked out of the cage, like the last second, and it's like I forget who what it was, but um, but it, it, it was a good. It's a good way to end the match because uh, like we, it keeps the heat, even though there is a decisive victory here. It keeps the heat because Piper was getting his ass kicked for sure. Um, yeah, it was it was a fluke win, so it keeps right, the heat. Right, we get we get here then. Um, and um, Stuka turns completely, completely savage. Yes, and he destroys Piper. It takes several wrestlers to break it up, and he's just bouncing off of them and destroying Piper. And the place is going crazy. I mean, yeah, you got uh, some guy named. Paul Malone and Ho- Jose Luis Rivera, or whatever. Oh, yeah. Or Tony Malone. <laughs> Jose Luis, I never watched, won a match in my career, Rivera, yes. Yes. S.D. Jones, Salvatore Belomo. You'll never hear, the, hear these words again on this show, by the way. But uh, <laughs> all, all, the, the, all the lifetime WWF jobbers. Right. They're there trying to break them up, and, and they keep... And then the only thing is, is Piper keeps breaking free, and while they're holding Snooker, like punching Snooker in the face. <laughs> I thought that was great because it's like Piper always just like he seems to always get advantages in his heat when he's a heel. Like he 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 always takes why a little he, more. Why he why he's the greatest heel in the history of professional wrestling? Yeah. So I mean, he would probably just tell those guys, "Hey, let me go, let me go over there and punch him while everybody's holding him." It'll be funny. Um, so yeah, so. I mean, he even does it one last time right before he, like, walks out to the thing. He just goes right back up and punches Snooka. Like, I think he gets him, like, seriously, like, four times in this thing while Snooka's being held. <laughs> like, they just basically hold Snooka so he can get punched by Piper. It's hilarious. But anyway, so that's uh, obviously their, they're, you know, feud is far from over, and so we go to the next match. July 20th, 1984, uh, the Keel Auditorium in St. Louis, Missouri. And this is the Fijian Strap match. Yeah, man, and we know that Piper is no stranger to these strap matches. Hey, he just he had just come off a, a, a huge run in the Carolinas, not six months, not yet six months against uh, Greg Hammer Valentine, where they did dog collar matches throughout the Carolinas after the, the legendary Starcade match. Right. They play this one up like Snooker knows more about this match than Piper does. Yeah, even though Indian strap match, dog collar match. Uh, 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 what you call it? Uh, well, what you call it? A uh, bull rope match. It's all the same. Uh, the, right. Uh, White Castle of Fear match. It's all the same shit. <laughs> so anyway, Snooker slaps P- Piper with the strap. Now a little, little bit of power play that uh, Snooker wins. Piper then rakes the eyes to get out of it. Piper whips Snooker with the strap. Um, Snooker comes back. Um, and 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 Piper's like goes in out of the ring. Gets. Dragged back in, he gets whipped. Piper gets whipped pretty hard. Um, then we get uh, Superfly basically uh, strangling Piper, um, trying to choke him out. Um, he gets out very cleverly. Piper does with a thumb to the eye, yeah. um, and then he starts beating the shit out of um, out of Snuka. Uh, but then he tries to put his head into the post, and no effect. But then, cleverly, he takes that strap and slaps Snooker right in the eye with it. <laughs> Pretty dirty, man. And um, and then you see that uh, they go out there, they fight to the outside. Snooker basically yanks Piper right into the steel post. Right, 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 right. And they're back in the ring. Um, 
there's the uh, we have um, Snooker just gives a big fucking right to um, his punches are pretty. I mean, they're I think they're pretty intense. I mean, I th- what do you think about Snooker's punches? It, it it depends on who he's wrestling. Um, against Morocco, Backlund, and um, Piper, yes. But when he's fighting a jobber like a Salvatore Belomo or S.T. Jones, <laughs> nah, he just don't give a fuck. <laughs> so, okay, so and how does this match end now? This, this match oh, ends uh, with Piper getting pinned. Only, That's right. Um, Jimmy Snooker goes to the top rope. Uh, Piper gets up. So instead of the super fly splash, he does a flying body press. Right. The top rope, and he pins Piper one of Big Piper in his eight-year career with the WWF from '84 to '92. Not um, and there was a couple of times we took sabbaticals, but during that time, I think he was only pinned by five people. Yeah. Snooker never pinned him. Snooker. This was the first time he's ever pinned. Snooker pinned him. Uh, Bret Hart, of course, pinned him in that classic WrestleMania match. He only, he only did a job to a few people. I think he might have did a job to Rick Rude, and that might be the end of it. Rude. Rude, Snooker, and Bret Hart were the only guys he did jobs to. Wow, that's pretty crazy. Where did he do a job to Rude? Um, when Rude was Intercontinental Champion in '89, I believe they 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 feuded. Wow, I gotta check that out. That that probably was pretty good. Um, I I think that they uh, that he just you know he 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 never wanted to put Hogan over because he felt and rightfully so that if he ever put Hogan over. That would be the end of him being the number one heel in the WWF. He was smart. He was smart about that. And people were really protective. Shawn Michaels was like that, too, about him, you know, about losing. Yeah, but Shawn Michaels is an asshole, all right? <laughs> that, 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 that was a different situation, right? <laughs> Shawn Michaels, when it was time for him to, to, to give up the strap, oh, my leg hurts. Oh, oh, my wife left me. Oh, oh. I lost my smile. Uh, I'm going to lose my smile. Oh, Oh, my balls are no, no. Even when he was supposed to lose to Stone Cold Steve Austin at that WrestleMania, at the la- right before the match, he was trying to come up with an excuse. Then Undertaker taped up his hands and said, look, I could fuck you up right now in the locker room, and then we'll drag you out there, pin you, and show, all right, I'll do the job. I'll do the job. <laughs> well, okay, so we have here, we're, we're talking about Stucker mainly because he he died. Um so what can you, what final things? I know we have this whole after this after after these three matches, his life and career as far as wrestling began to spiral out of control because Superfly Stucker was a massive cocaine abuser. He was a massive cokehead. The reason and we covered this match in the wrestling um greatest match series, the following month, August of 1984, and I believe the date was August 22nd or August 25th. I don't know. I'm 48 years old, going 49. My memory is not as great as it used to be, but I did attend that match, and that was the match where he got his his um neck got got caught in the ropes, and then he fell. And he got counted out. It was another count out, and they they faked that he neck was broken by Piper. He took a couple of months off. That was to go to rehab the drug rehabilitation. And then when he came back in the fall of 84, his, the Tonga kid, Rikishi's twin brother, Tama, who was the Tonga kid, was 19 years old and was um, became hugely over by beating Piper in a match he again covered on the greatest match matches of all time by disqualification. And you had a great feud with the Tonga kid and Superfly Snooker teaming against Piper and Bob Orton all throughout the country. They were great matches. I attended one of those matches at Madison Square Garden. The heat was ridiculous. Yeah. 
then it was. In January, then in January of 1985, the Tonga Kid walked out on the WWF and went to the AWA, which was the biggest mistake of his career because he never came back to that type of push ever again. I mean, he would come back to the WWF as part of the Islanders with uh, with, with Haku, but he he at that point in time in January of '85, he was 19 years old and he was red hot teaming up with his with with, with, with his fake uncle Jimmy Snooker. Yeah, that was a mistake, man. God. So, um, you you remember WrestleMania? Jimmy Snooker was seconding the team of of. Of, of Hogan and Mr. T, which, you know, set the world on fire and the WWF right. never looked back. In June of 1985, something that I forgot what country was in. I don't know if it was Japan, but Jimmy Snooker got into an international incident. Of course, he was high. Violence, violence was involved. And McMahon fired him. And that was coming off where he was teaming up with Ricky Steamboat, and they had become a red-hot team. I mean, they were a tremendous tag team, and it looked like they were going to feud with Morocco and Fuji. Instead, it was Steamboat with different type of partners feuding with Morocco and Fuji as Superfly was fired. Superfly um, would wrestle in the AWA in front of five people at all at house shows throughout the country feuding with Colonel De Beers. Would come back to the WWF in 1989, and he's 46 years old, past his prime, and he was used wisely by McMahon to put over Mr. Perfect, uh, Undertaker, so forth. He was a stepping stone for up-and-coming heels to, 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 to defeat. Right. He had, he had a run in the original ECW that Eddie Gilbert and Paulie Dangerously booked where he was one of the original ECW champions. Um, He would come back every once in a while to the WWF, but then the WWF fired him a couple years ago when the charges – Finally, he was charged with the murder of his girlfriend back in 1983, back in May of 1983, um, which I believe a month ago the charges were dropped because, even though there's a preponderance of evidence that he did kill, he was so sick and deathly that there was no need to go on with the trial. He's going to die in prison. Well, he died three weeks later. He actually ended up in WCW, right, at like the very end? Yeah, him and it's funny. There's a clip. Now that's not funny. It's it's eerily ironic. There's a clip where uh, there was a match where Superfly took on Jeff Jarrett in the cage, and Chris Benoit was the special guest referee, and Jarrett's on the canvas, and Stuck and Benoit both leap off the top rope onto Jeff Jarrett, off off the top of the cage onto Jeff Jarrett. Wow. The irony is they both killed their women. Whose names were Nancy? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that's too that's too much. All right, well, um, I guess we can wrap it up. We're about to run out here, but um, who do you who do you think we should talk about uh, in terms of greatest rivalries next? Oh no, next time we are going to do the greatest performances of Playboy Buddy Rose. Um, oh okay. One of the one of the greatest wrestlers to ever come out of Portland. I mean, you people remain remind remember him from the blow away diet, but in the seventies and eighties, he was one of the best workers on the planet. And his three matches will be one against Piper, one against Snooker, and one against the Dynamite Kid. All three matches from Portland, where he was one of the biggest stars in the history of Portland wrestling. When you talk Portland wrestling, you're probably talking Dutch Savage, Roddy Piper, and Playboy Buddy Rose as the biggest stars to ever wrestle in Portland. Those will be his three matches against Superfly Star, a young 
super fly sucker, a, very, a young skinny Roddy Piper, and a young phenomenal dynamite kid. Okay, man. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Thanks once over. So. Uh, very, 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 very soon, and um, we'll be back in a couple hours to talk about the classic sci-fi movie I Robot, starring the legendary Will Smith. Right, that's uh, Logan's movie reviews on Blog Talk Radio. So check us out there. Thanks again, man. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Peace.